This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We have got a bunch of shoots going on this week. In fact, you guys won't see this for a little bit, but it's Prius week. We are shooting a Canyons piece to talk about how much tires and these new tires and wheels do for the Prius. And we're putting it up against a a GTI because we thought, what is kind of the perfect enthusiast commuter? And we all landed on, isn't that really what we all think of the GTI? So we're putting it with a GTI. That's going to be a cool piece. And then we have been joking about it since we got this car as a long-termer. Wouldn't it be funny to have a Prius track car? So we're taking it to the track and we're putting it with our blue and gold wheeled GR86 and have a discussion about how much tires matter on the track. Where is it in relation to the GR86? To be honest with you, I have no idea. So I'm very (laughs) curious. We're here to find out. We're always here to find out. Both of those shoots are happening this week. I'm bringing up those shoots because it also, we realized, affected something else going on. And that is, you know what happens when we film? We don't get any edit done. That's right. So we, uh, we aren't getting the S3... Integra Type S and Civic Type R piece out on Thursday. It is now coming, say it with me, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) It is coming this Sunday, so that will happen a little bit later in the week because we wanted to make sure that edit gets done properly while we also get these shoots done because winter is coming. That's not a Game of Thrones reference. That is an actual thing in Park City. (laughs) So we're going to shoot this week before the track closes, and then we're going to get that piece done. So very much is it Prius week. Thanks to our tire sponsor, Vredestein, for mm-hmm. providing the street yes, tires yes, yes. that we're going to be driving on track with. And also when we switch over for winter. But we are seeing a potential high-performance Prius variant from Gazoo Racing. These are all rumors. Yes. But you and I have been talking about this mm-hmm. since the launch of this fifth-generation Prius. This could be a GRMN-branded Prius. Not just a spicy Prius, but upgraded to the point of the RAV4, which means suddenly a Prius has 300 horsepower and (laughs) we're out here trying to cobble it together. Mm -hmm. We're trying to build our own desperately. And I'm hoping Toyota is listening and watching and taking this into consideration because better handling, better braking, Better everything. Well, and you, you and I car. have joked that that the reason that, that Toyota is on board with this, and we're thankful that Toyota loaned us this car long term so we could play with it. But we've we've joked that we think one of the reasons that this might be happening is just because Toyota is already working on something like this behind the scenes, and we are we are kind of a weird like audience test case. I'm wondering about that. I also have to say, and we're going to say this on camera as well, but here has been the only difficulty of this. I hate to say build because build is almost too strong a term. This Prius project that we're playing with, and that is we are early enough in the cycle, and that's thanks to Toyota giving us a car, but we're early enough in the cycle that very few people have anything for this car. What's funny is we talk about how the internet takes us strange places on the show. I had never looked up performance parts for a Prius. And you know what happens? They're out there. They've been out there for every generation. You can make an overlanding Prius. You can make like a hardcore suspension lowered. Where are my coilovers and all of my suspension bushings, Prius? You can do all this stuff. However, all of that doesn't exist yet for the updated model. Right. So there are companies across the board that want to do all this stuff. And if we were a year from now, 
there'd be a lot more stuff available. But our brake sponsor, PowerStop, doesn't have anything. Cusco, who has actually done all of the suspension parts on all these past Pre-I, they don't have it in the U.S. yet. They have some stuff from Japan. We have actually been trying. We've been in contact. You have been yes. talking to them, trying to get stuff over here in time, and it may not happen in time. Air freight isn't cheap. Because, <laughs> because <laughs> that's how early we are in the cycle. So the only unfortunate thing here is maybe we can keep this car longer. We're talking to Toyota about that. But right now, we are so early that we are even ahead of all the people that would help us. Yes. And then I do think, to your point, Toyota might be kind of rubbing their hands together behind the scenes, doing a Dr. <laughs> Evil moment and petting I, a cat and building a GR Prius. I hope. Bring the grime, because everybody we talk to about, hey, so what are you doing this week? Like, well, I'm taking a Prius to the track. Mm -hmm. What? You're doing what now? A Prius? <laughs> Like you're you're gonna drive it on the on the track on the yeah. racetrack yeah, racing? I'm, I have no idea. I'm very. Curious. What are these yeah. words all in my mouth that are unfamiliar in the <laughs> same sentence? This is all very unfamiliar territory. But we hope again, Toyota is listening, and maybe they do have something up their sleeve. But in the meantime, we're gonna go try it on our own. Yeah, we are. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use foaming surface wash and polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. It's time for car conclusions again. Thank yeah, you all awesome. for sending your car conclusions. You have buried us in car conclusions, which means you're buying cars, you're discovering new cars, and yes. you're discovering driving and the fun and enthusiasm of cars. We both love this. Virginia M. writes to us after listening to many episodes. Virginia, thank you so much. Apparently, the idea of having two cars for two different jobs finally stuck. <laughs> and now, we, look, we understand this that some great. of you, you don't have the budget or the storage or the lifestyle that allows you to have more than one car. But mm -hmm. we keep beating on this. And my reference point is always shoes. You can buy a, great one. a hiking boot that you could wear to a nice dinner and wear hiking and wear randomly to go to the grocery store. You could buy that, but you don't really do that, do you? Now, I know shoes and cars are not the same price point, but you do have like the shoes you wear out occasionally because they're nice and the mm -hmm. shoes you wear because you're going running this morning and it's raining. You have both those pairs of shoes. This is the reality of cars as well. We want to buy the one hiking boot for everything, and it's not necessarily the case. Somebody is screaming Range Rover right now, but I'm standing on my point. Some of you can't do multiple cars, but if you can, you have so much more fun, and this is the great part of Virginia's story. Virginia is slowly fitting out a 2012 Ford Transit Connect, fitting it out as a mini camper for the dogs and she to take on hiking trips. It's perfect for that job and it's good fun noodling around with the setup. And the dog and she blame us for the fun and comfort on road trips. We are responsible for she and the dog having fun on the camping road trips. I like that. But she says, hang on, the Transit is 
quite lumbering and and really not good for a daily vehicle. And it, it she said it treats stamping on the accelerator like a suggestion that should be pondered and not rushed into. And then she said, and so as a result, she is blaming us one hundred percent. You stamp on the accelerator, and the car says, "Don't yell at me." Yeah, exactly. I'll get around to it. Okay, I have heard you. <laughs> I've heard you. Well, taking your request uh-huh. into consideration, and yes. we'll let you know. She is then pointing her finger directly at us. Virginia is saying, I'd never even thought of, seen, or heard about this car until you guys, but she has now bought a 2017 Fiat 500 Abarth as her daily, and she says this is where there's even more. There's so much blame. It's all on us. <laughs> she said she'd never heard about it. She now loves it like no other. They weren't on her radar. She's pretty sure she'd never even seen one, and then she started looking for one. She also considered getting a manual after 15 years of owning an automatic. Wow. And she has now bought a 2017 manual transmission Fiat 500 Abarth. It is her daily. She said the engagement, the return of the fun of driving. She cannot believe it. She says she's blaming us. I love the blame for the smile plastered on her face (laughs) twice daily as she starts the little dragon and hears its snarl. She blames us for the multiple crackles every day at the attitude and the personality that the car has. She blames us. I love this for making her commute something she looks forward to every day rather than something to her endure. Virginia, this is so cool. Fantastic. And it's pearl white, she mentions, but she says it's not your average white, so I will let that slide, Virginia, because, and we'll take the blame, too. The, the I car, love this. The car came in two colors from the fact. Well, actually, three. I've, I've occasionally seen a red one. There's there is a red, red one. Red, red with the white, rare, but yeah. pretty much you see the red one with, pardon me, the white one with red stripes or the black one with gray stripes. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen a red one once. Of all the ones I've ever seen, stripes, it, it, right? I, I actually think it's—I think it's like an off-white, if memory serves. But the point okay. is, right. the, I've hardly ever seen the red. Yeah. The white and yeah. the black are the ones you generally see. She has a white one, and I will say it is a pearlescent white, but it is also a white. I will give you credit <laughs> with racing stripes. So it's well, not just a white car. That's true. You know, and it has that's a true. big crackly exhaust you hear from down the street. And you think Ferrari, Fiat, oh, Fiat, <laughs> love it, Virginia. Congratulations, that's excellent. We're thrilled for you. All right, we'll take the blame. Moving on to Bill T., who is in Metro Detroit, Michigan, from episode 542. Back in October of 2020, we featured a debate from Bill. He finally has a conclusion to report, and it took a twist here. He retired from GM in the sales and marketing arm at the end of 2016, and Bill did nothing but drive GM vehicles for over 40 years. Wow. He turned in his company car and ordered a Mini Clubman. Mm. What? Okay, I like this. This is fantastically different. I I do remember that we recommended that. That was the big thing to build. We were like, please buy something non-GM. I know we went all over the place, but our big thrust was you have to buy something that is not a GM product. And I think if memory serves, we even recommended that it shouldn't be American. You did both. Yes, it took hold because then he bought the following vehicles. A 2014 Mini Countryman, which is his wife's car. A 2016 Mini Two-Door. He traded the Clubman for this one because it had a manual. Love it. And then an 04 Honda CRV. This is for winter driving and the Home Depot runs. And that we works. do understand the Michigan roads are not the best. So yes. I do understand that. But he was looking for a nice sedan under 20 grand to take on road trips. And we had offered great suggestions then, like the Lexus LS, the Audi A8, or S8. S8s are so cool for road they trips. They are very cool. Or a Jaguar XJR, but then the pandemic induced market craziness. <laughs> really? What is this that you talk about, Bill? Mm, that's weird. <laughs> so he paused in his shopping, but then in summer 2021, his son moved back to Michigan and he needed a runabout vehicle. And then Bill sold him the CRV. Then he had an excuse to go shopping yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he ended up selling the Mini Two Door to Carvana for too much money. Carvana was. <laughs> Pretty much responsible for that. They were fire hosing cash at people that they, and I hate to say it, but they were a major factor in 
the prices of cars, especially used cars, spiking during the pandemic. Back in April 2023, oh we covered uh, a lot about the Carvana story. We had yeah, the inside yeah, yeah. scoop there. So if you haven't heard that, you've got to have to go backwards. I forget the exact episode number. But nevertheless, Bill is on a search. So he went through a number of potential vehicles and reduced his choices to a Pontiac Solstice GXP mm. and a new Subaru BRZ. Okay. He is six foot four, and that meant the Solstice was too small. You're also used to big GM vehicles. You still, are, I but, think. But, well, but he's had a couple of minis. I mean, he he's had, getting a bit recalibrated. Yeah, and that's I will true. say this. The mini does surprising things with space. Always has. Okay. <laughs> like, Come on over and Lotus Elises. You won't uh, believe it once you're in. To, no, that's, once you're in is key. But <laughs> so the Pontiac funny. Solstice, I really like that car. But the problem with it is it is a bigger car than the space you're provided when you get in it. Yeah. It has larger than Miata sizing with Miata sized cabin. And that's mm. a bit of a surprise. It should have had a, a, like a 10% bigger cabin anyway, but he said that was too small for him. And the BRZ, he said it was just, it was too loud on the highway. And then he said he took a left turn and he realized, no, literally, he <laughs> took a left turn off of a main road to wind up at his local Chevy dealer. Because keep in mind, he does still get GM employee discount pricing. He found himself a, this is as brand new as they get, a 2023 two liter turbo Camaro for a test drive. And he was like, and done. He was able to get it nicely equipped, probably equipped, frankly, better than the equivalent BRZ for less than the MSRP of the Camaro, which means it was also cheaper than the BRZ. So he's owned the Camaro for about a month now and he loves it. He grins every single time he drives it. He is thrilled to actually have a rear wheel drive sports car again. And, and that is a total change. I love that this is where you wound up. I mean, look, I like that you stepped away from GM before going back. Agreed. The, the best part about this, seriously, the best <laughs> part about this drives by the Chevy dealership, looks longingly, and the car just turned in. The car in. just turned in. It just turned, it only turns left at the GM dealer. Don't anyway, but I do like that you bought other things and drove other things for a few years. What I think is also interesting about this list of cars is while you had this other list of cars, you owned no GM vehicles. Mm-hmm. So it is yes. it is a reset. So the fact that you found that Camaro, and I, what, I, what I like about it also is the fact that you genuinely drove other stuff that was competitive and wound up at the Camaro. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. like you just drove a bunch of other people's sedans and then bought the Camaro because it was or a real Or didn't drive. drive anybody else's exactly. stuff and be like, well, the Camaro's the best and I'm just... So I love that you drove the BRZ. Yeah. I see your reasons for not getting it. I, I'm congratulating you on that Camaro and I love that you love it. James K. is in Omaha, Nebraska writing to us regarding the Toyota Supra. He had watched when our, sh- our show was on Motor Trend. Thank you. He viewed our show on Highway 1 and 101. He says it was an inspiration for James to purchase a sports car. And then our YouTube episodes helped him to select the Supra. It is not disappointed. And in today's market in the Omaha area, there was no way he was going to be able to test drive one before purchasing. Now, that's fascinating to me because, James, I love that you found and bought a Toyota Supra and you then go on to tell us how much you love it. And the story gets even more amazing from there. But the thing I find fascinating here is, and I'm thrilled to hear this, that in your area, there was no way to test drive one. Mm -hmm. So you bought this car based entirely on reviews. And I am thrilled, I can't even tell you how thrilled I am, James, that we were one of those reviews and yeah, that you got the yeah. car and didn't go, well, I hate this thing now. What were those guys talking yeah, about? You guys I, love that, I love that you got it and you liked it. That is some trust in the stuff you are consuming and I'm glad that it actually worked out. I don't recommend not test driving a car before you buy it. However, if you are unable to, the good cars are the good cars. You got a Supra. That's Here's true. what's crazy is that you not only like this thing, 
but you said you feel the reviews on it that we gave and others were spot on, was delivered last November, and you were able to take the Highway 101 PCH road trip in this car that you had seen on our show. You've taken that car car on that trip with your wife. It was just under a 5,000-mile trip with you and your wife, and you couldn't be more pleased. What I like here is there's no little caveat. She didn't like it much. No, you both (laughs) couldn't be more pleased. You said it was quiet, comfy, fun to drive, and not great on gas mileage, but that's okay. Uh, he said, because he just, was driving it fast. You that's just why. loved it. And you said you also were thrilled to be on a road trip where other people were like giving you nods of that's really cool for that car, which is a bonus that we, you and I don't go into it much on our road trips. We talk about how fun we're having, but we don't talk about how many people we end up talking to that are like, well, that looks like fun. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. James, congratulations to both you and your wife. I'm so glad you have a car that you love. Many, many miles of happy motoring. Jack Bell in Montana writes to us. We have met Jack. As a matter of fact, yeah. we met him on our glacier trip. Yeah, we uh, went up on north with the with the cars of the past. We went up there. We got to have lunch with Jack, which was really cool. He has been listening since he was about 13 years old, and that's valid. My son's 13, almost 14. We've had kids as young as like 7 and 8 yes, right in via yes. their parents before, which is amazing. And I love that many of you are listening with kids in the car and the kids get involved in the car discussion. I love that. What's interesting about Jack's story is we didn't realize till he wrote us, you can drive legally in Montana at 14. Mm-hmm. So when 13-year-old Jack is writing to us, I'm about to turn 14, it was because I'm about to be driving. I don't <laughs> right. think that way because I'm sitting here with my 13-year-old son Most going, people don't. we got a few years. Yeah. We're okay. And he was like, no, 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 I'm about to be driving. Let's talk cars. So this is where this all started. Yeah. And then Jack decides to do math, which is horrifying oh, to us. Yes. Because Jack discovered 30% of his time on earth and all of his teenage <laughs> years have been heavily influenced <sighs> by our content. <laughs> Moving right okay. along. All right. yeah. We debated for Jack in episode 516. He had a $12,000 budget, you remember, and we suggested a Saab 92X, a Suzuki Kazashi, mm-hmm. and a Golf Type R. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, he bought a 2017 Golf TSI SE with a six-speed manual, 13,000 miles, for thirteen nine. Wow, that and was a find. At that point, he still couldn't drive. <laughs> he was about so to. Before but yeah, uh-huh. he got his license. Yeah, of course he did, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then before he got his license, he decided to sell the Golf because of the used car market and got sixteen grand out of it. He, ha- I have he to was this, not legally I have to point this to out drive. because this is not He's the only cars. time Jack has done this. He bought a car before he could drive for thirteen grand. By the way, that is a steal for that car. Thirteen nine with yeah. 13,000 miles. Bought it, turned around, sold it, made himself over two grand, isn't even driving yet. Look out for Jack is all <laughs> exactly. I'm going to say. When he gets out of Montana into some big town, we're all in trouble. Okay, exactly. I'm just putting it out there. A year goes by. He gets his license and he gets a 1998 Jaguar XJR with 60,000 miles for eight grand. Where'd you even find that car in Montana? I, I agree. Craziness. <laughs> then he realized he could double his money if he properly set it up with a listing and navigated, bring a trailer. 14, almost 15-year-old Jack in Montana with somehow Montana's only 1998 (laughs) Jaguar XJR. He somehow puts that on Bring a Trailer, and this Jaguar he bought for $8,000, he sold for seventeen five, Good for you, Jack. <laughs> well, then Jack went for nearly a year carless until he stumbled across an amazing 91 Honda Civic for 4500 bucks. Again, he finds deals. Jack, where are you finding these I'm cars? I'm telling you, man. We'd all like to know because yeah. Jack has work and bring a trailer. He is squeezing every last drop of dirty dishwater out of that. Seriously. <laughs> that rag. 
This has the SI engine parts because it's a 91 SI replica. <laughs> what you're saying, Jack, is that somebody actually took this 91, didn't get an SI, was like, how close to the SI can I make it? So They, they engine, dumped the yeah, money in. SI engine and parts. And the problem is this is probably one of the reasons you got it for so cheap because it's a bit of a Frankenstein car. Right. Well, it's bright red paint, no air conditioning, no power steering, manual transmission, only weighs 2,300 pounds. He describes this as Todd spec. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> no amenities, but at least it's light and bright. Okay, good. Exactly. Excellent. Right. And Jack never thought he'd like tiny cars as much as he does, but now even the lightest of sedans feels like an aircraft carrier. Just you wait until you drive a Phaeton, my that friend. That is the problem. You're right. Yep. Now he's got a strange yearning to drive an Elise. Hmm, wonder why that is. It is kind of weird. Interesting, yeah. But he says it's been an amazing journey through many cars, many of them even before he could drive. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says this is the very first time, one, very first car he's really driven and enjoyed. Mm. And it's been nearly three years since we debated for he and his family, and finally he's got a car that he loves to drive every day. That's fantastic. But it doesn't stop there because mm. there's a next chapter. Uh -huh. He skis a lot. And when he goes up to the mountains, he can take his parents' cars. But then when he moves out of the house, he's going to need something else, more versatile, with air conditioning and more comfort. <laughs> so he has $11,000 saved up in his Hyundai Kona N fund. Huh, okay. Is he going in the right direction? Is it too early to be thinking about his next car? Not you. <laughs> when he still plans on having the current one for several years? And what else should he consider? Jack, you, you're working it. Congratulations. That's I love fantastic. this. Jack, real quickly, I'm going to say, look, why you want to keep this SI for a bit. I'm going to say two things to you real quick. First off, that SI replica that you have, don't be precious. And what I mean by that is not because I think you're not driving it. I know you're driving it in all conditions. I'm saying... When it's time to let it go, let it go. If that's yeah. now, if that's a year from now, I mean, I like that you've landed on a car that you really love and it sounds like it's embedded itself with you. And I think all of us as car people, that first car that embedded itself in us, we don't want to ever get rid of it. Yeah. I want to encourage you to be willing to let that car go because even though it's special to you, it's not special in like the pantheon of cars, okay? So maybe it sticks around for a while, maybe it doesn't. Also, you got $11,000 uh, saved up toward a Kona Inn. I applaud you on having that much money toward a car. Why aim for new? Why aim for that one? If you need a more versatile car, I'm going to come right back to something we talked about earlier, and that is for $11,000, Jack, you could get yourself a Saab 92X. Yeah, you You're could. not scared sure. of older cars. You kind of know a little bit how to wrench. You could get yourself a Saab 92X with air conditioning and heat, which is crazy compared to your other car, and it would be all-wheel drive, and mm -hmm. it's a hatch, and you have no reason to be precious about it. You can just throw skis in the back. Have you thought about circling back to that one? My point is, I don't think you have to aim for a brand new car as your next thing. And I also don't think you have to keep the SI for any specific reason other than the fact you like it. So you bought the Civic SI for 4,500 bucks and you want to keep it for a few years. Jack, I triple dog dare you to sell that for nine grand and double your money in a few years. I dare you. Well, this is what car prices have done. Yeah. And then I love that you've got 11 grand, but that's saved up for the future and you can still get by with your parents' cars for skiing now. So why not get a used GR Corolla when you're ready to go for the next one? Because you're Look already you. saving. Look at Hyundai you. Kona okay. N. Let's take it far. Okay. Let's go All GR right. Corolla. Yeah. And by the time they're use something with 20 to 30,000 miles on it and let's go get one of those that would be really cool bravo on that wow. brian is writing in from virginia he was writing in asking us about the factory 5 cobra 
and also we were he was asking us at the time about selling a car with family history. We were encouraging selling the car. We were talking about, is the Factory 5 right for you? I remember there was a lot of debate about that. He said he decided that the Cobra would just sit too much in the garage and become something like some of the other cars that just don't get driven because he has a lot of cars in play here. Also, he took a trip to Factory 5 and uh, planned to buy one and realized, nope, that's not happening because it just wasn't comfortable for him. That is a deal breaker. If you don't fit in a car well, it's not comfortable. He said he liked the Daytona Coupe a lot, as do we, but his son wants to build one of those. So Brian's like, you know what? Son, you build that. I'll help and I won't have one, which is fine. He said, now, here's all the information. He is 49 years old and he's owned almost 50 cars. You may not remember this car debate when it happened, but it sounds like Jack in Montana. Totally. Was, it's just what's going to happen to Jack. I'm two years old. I'm getting a car. Yeah, seriously. But the problem is here that at the time that Brian wrote to us, he had already jettisoned a couple cars and still had a ton. At the time we were debating for him a 1966 Dodge Charger that he'd written us about, but he had had a Studebaker. He had an old uh, Dodge D-150. He had a 99 special Corvette that he had built out 20 uh, 2006 Mustang GT, they were all around. One of the most interesting conclusions I've ever seen somebody come to that's followed the show. He said that the Studebaker had been a really good project that was okay to drive to church until it, well, it lost its brakes on the way to church. And he was like, that's the last straw. Got rid of that. With every car he got rid of, he felt a little better. He mm. felt a little less stressed. He felt a little less kind of consumed and overtaken by his cars, which I find fascinating. Wow. So he kept selling things. He eventually sold the charger he asked us about. He kept kind of combining things down, eventually sold that uh, 99 Corvette that he built out with his son to his son, 200 mile an hour, 700 wheel horsepower car that they built together. His son said, yes, I will buy that because there was only one car that kept catching his eye. He was driving around. Occasionally he'd see one. One day he's driving with his lovely minister of finance, and a Corvette C8 goes by and he goes, I really like those. And his wife said, that's awesome. Not too late to get one. After selling all these cars, he finally had the funds and now MOF approval to be able to go get one and fortunately found one in the color and setup that he was looking for at a fair price. And he's been driving it every day and it drives people crazy. (laughs) I love this part of the story so much, yeah. He can't begin to tell us how many times he's had people tell him, well, that was my car. I don't care if they'd keep it cleaner. Well, he says it already stays clean or I'd keep it in a garage or I wouldn't Mm. drive it to work. Mm. And he is driving it every day and he's having a great time. He also has a trip plan for about this time, about this recording on some great driving roads in Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee. His wife will be with him. Hopefully you are listening to this podcast episode. Agreed. Brian, as you are driving the C8, because what a fantastic car to be doing that in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had a similar experience. I think I've yes. told this story briefly before, and that is when we rolled up in the Elise and the Corvette, we're spaceships. Uh-huh. You get all the, is that like, on par with a Ferrari? Does that yes. have a mm-hmm. V16 quad turbo? Of course, turbo you know it does. Or? You know it does. Yeah, it's, it's got the Bugatti engine right behind my head. Yeah, of course <laughs> exactly. it does. Uh-huh. And then the Corvette's sort of like, why would you drive that out here? And I'm going, why wouldn't you? Agreed. And came across an individual who owned one and said it was at home. And I'm thinking, why aren't you out here driving yeah. your car? Look, yeah. we are. We're driving our cars. We're putting great miles on them. And it's so much fun to be out here in this car, not just for looks and conversation, but because the roads are great. He was talking about how much he liked it. 
He only had a couple thousand miles on it. Mm-hmm. And he, he flat out said to you, I couldn't get my Corvette that dirty. And I'm thinking, you're talking to Paul. <laughs> exactly. I, you have no idea this. <laughs> I, okay, I'm the guy that my car always looks a little dirty and dinged. I'm that guy. But I'm sitting here going, you clearly don't know anything about Paul. This is horrifically dirty. Yes. And Paul is driving around with a smile on his face, going to take it home and clean it later with Griot stuff, and it's going to be great. We all have but, Griots in our corner. But this Dirt guy, is not an issue. This guy literally said to you, I can't imagine having my car that dirty. And I was like, and I, of course, again, it's me, but I was thinking, that's why you're not driving on a great road? Because it'll get dirty? <laughs> and you waited how long for it? And you wish you were in it? Yeah. And seeing this one makes you wish you were in your car? I'm thinking, fly home immediately. <laughs> get your car. Drive it back out here. How fast could you be back here? Yes. Probably quickly. Brian's C8 is red with black interior and silver wheels. Love the only it. options are magnetic ride, performance exhaust, and painted calipers. Love it. He bought it with 13,000 miles. And with the exception of the painted calipers, it is just the way we would have ordered it if he were buying new. That's a fine, man. That's great. Fantastic. He says... He doesn't want a Z51. He says <laughs> their racing is standing miles, so a non Z51 is lighter and better gears for top speed. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Are you hitting top speed, Brian? That's my question. <laughs> Have you ever hit top speed in that car? But I love that you love it. That's so great. We have a very interesting car debate as well on this podcast. James is writing in from Florida, and I'm going to circle back to this, but I'm just going to, James, I'm going to give you my personal headline here, and that is this hit all the buttons for me. Mm. I have much to say here. This is a okay. fascinating father, son, and the generations of car love. There's so much in this story. It's amazing. James writes, asking if he is blinded by memories. He has had the unfortunate pleasure of inheriting his dad's 2014 Corvette Stingray Z51 3LT, a car he despises. Now, let me put this in perspective. Already, this is a heck of a headline. That means it is a C7 Corvette Stingray Z51 loaded out, but it's not the first Corvette they've had in their life. The crazy thing is, one of the reasons he despises this car is because his dad, after being a retired high school teacher, figured out how to buy a brand new 2010. So that's the C6, the prior gen. His first Corvette was a 2010 Corvette Z06. James went with him to the dealership 400 miles away, and they walked in the front doors, and he got to witness his father's disbelief that this was going to be his car. He got to be Mm. with his dad at 18 years old and watch his father have this, like, I can't believe I'm Mm. here life moment. Already you've got me, by the way, James, but I'm going to keep drilling down. (laughs) They got to drive it 400 miles home. They were trading off who got to drive it. Mm. It was ultimate dream car. I cannot believe this for his father. Six-speed C6 Z06. They both loved it. And it became instantly for James, his benchmark dream car. But then the story turns, because if you follow it along, the beginning of the story was a C7. He says, fast forward a few years, his dad traded it for a new cherry red, the aforementioned Z51 vet. James was crushed. His reasons were understandable. His dad's reasons, because he heard the new vet was more comfortable, just as quick, had this new alluring seven-speed manual, but it feels nothing like the C6 Z06. It doesn't have the charm, the angst, or the feeling, and communicates nothing to James, and he hates it in comparison to the C6. And more so now because his dad passed away from his two-year battle with stage four prostate cancer, but his dad wanted James to keep the Stingray and drive it until he could walk again. 
That was only two days before he passed. And now all James can do when he looks at it is just miss his dad. Oh, man. So he's not sure what to do with a vet. Part of him wants to shut up and keep it for his dad as something of a legacy. Another part of James wants to find the previous Z06 and buy it back or at least something close to it for those memories and driving experience or sell this and buy something that can come as close to how that C6 drove. Is this morally wrong of him? Oh, man. Whatever this is would become his fun analog car. Hmm. Now, a side note, James recently bought a 2023 Audi RS3 with no markup. That's Bravo. A that's a feat of skill. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a victory right there. Well done. This is his daily. This is the dad car. Okay. He loves it. He loves many things about it, not the sum of its parts. There's not much feeling from it, but does he lose his mind and sell both cars to get mm. what? What does he get? Mm. Is he ridiculous for even thinking this way? His MOF swears she just wants him to be happy. But he thinks she'll look at him like he's completely lost his mind, regardless of what he does. <laughs> You're a car guy. Whatever you do, I'm going to be like, you did what? <laughs> that you part is correct. <laughs> well, he knows that we love seeing a budget and then blowing right past it. Yes, uh-huh. I, I, I do like that. Yep. So he'll give us one. He thinks 50 to 80 grand is likely the max if he went with selling the Stingray. Interesting. Okay. James is a father of two boys, ages four and two, and they love cars just as much as James. And his dad. Wow. His four-year-old is four feet tall already. His youngest is just a head behind him. James is 31, five foot ten, about 185 pounds. And he's in Melbourne, Florida. He's got a Monday to Friday 60-mile commute, so 30 miles to and from work, and 80% of his interstate driving. Okay. James has owned a Z28 Camaro from 1997. He learned to drive at seven. Jack Bell, you're on notice here. <laughs> you got to catch up now, man. <laughs> we thought you were doing well, but not anymore. <laughs> He had a 2010 Camaro 2SS manual. He had a 2012 Camaro 2SS RS manual. He had a Mustang GT premium manual from 2015. Mm. And now this 23 Audi RS3. He's also driven a lot of different things. A nice variety here from a 95 Mitsubishi 3000 GT on which he learned how to drive manual. Mm. A bunch of WRXs, Cadillac STS V. Oh, yes. The Corvettes. Oh, a 96 Nissan Silvia S14.5. Interesting. Motor swap. Cadillacs, Corvettes, Jeeps, two Grand Cherokee SRTs. Yep. Kia Stinger and a 2022 Toyota Supra 3.0 Auto. He's driven that, but he didn't buy it because they didn't have a manual and a bunch of other trucks that he's owned. This is quite a story, James. Where does he go? Wow. James, I'm going to jump in right away because I think it's not about the car. I think it's the feeling that you shared with your dad. Thank you. And this is your connection, not necessarily the car itself. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also a sense of obligation in this email that you write. Yep. You're carrying this deep obligation that you you have to carry on your dad's legacy. But the only form that needs to take on is the feeling that you guys shared. Mm-hmm. You need to give yourself permission to not feel obligated and instead celebrate your dad's life and the memories that you shared. That was your dad's dream, but you can have yours. Mm. And I'm assuming your dad would want you to nurture your own. Mm, But think mm. about your boys, James. Whatever your car dream is, your car dream, might not eventually be their car dream. And you'd want to celebrate their interest in driving eventually Mm -hmm, too, right? mm -hmm. So what is a car that gives you the feeling back that you alluded to, that you wrote a lot of words about from that C6? Mm. What is the car that hits that spark. You've done a lot of drive homework here and you haven't hit it yet. There's still so many to be driven. There's still so many to to be discovered. But I want you to introduce emotion in your boys. 
that same feeling. It's time to pass yeah. the emotion on. You've experienced it with your dad. Now it's time for you to do the same thing for your yeah. two boys that yeah. you'll want to explore together. So I'm starting with something that can transport all of you. And clearly the 1992 to 1998 McLaren F1 or the McLaren. <laughs> 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 Talk about I, the budget. I'm sorry. Is that sorry. Too far? That was, that was, wow. I, I, I love that answer. I love that answer. Three-seater uh, McLaren Speedtail, <laughs> the Gordon Murray T50. Honey, we're living in a tent. And we're never, ever, ever going to be out of debt. But the boys and I are going to have a great time. We're taking our Glickenhaus SCG004S because it's the new three-seater. It's the three-seat supercar. All right, we'll back it off a touch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. Okay, See, James, when I tell you your house burned down and you got it. No, no, no. If I'd start there and then just tell you, well, the basement flooded, then you'd be like, whew, that's not a big deal. <laughs> not going to buy a McLaren anymore. Yeah. Let's go to BMW M2 mm. or a Porsche 911 or okay. a Lotus Evora or a GR Corolla or stepping it up a touch for our FF or GTC4 Luso. Mm. I'm thinking of fun cars with back seats or something with a turbo like your RS3, but backseat passengers quickly can feel excluded. And you already have a great dad car. Yep, agreed. So therefore, James, you have more drive homework than most people. Mm. A single two-seat fun car is totally valid here. You'll just have to take turns with your two boys. You could get a car that all of you can drive and take together. Mm. Or with that very nice budget, you could take more time with your drive homework and buy a less expensive sports car that will be your four-year-old's choice. Oh, interesting. Okay. All and right, then all right, an right. additional one that will eventually be your two-year-old's choice. Look at what you're doing. There's drive homework to be, so not right now, but you're okay. working towards and you're, you're going to drive stuff with both of your boys and you're going to work up towards things and then eventually ask, okay, so my four-year-old, which one? And maybe they're five mm-hmm. or six or seven by yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And then your two-year-old is now three, four or five years old. And then you'll have some sort of interesting pairing the two-seat cars are the ones you'll drive with each of them. Maybe you end up with a GR Supra or a GR86 together in the garage. That's for one boy and that's for the other. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what you've done. This or, is interesting. I love it. Or an S2000 and an ND2 Miata together huh. paired. Two very hardcore cars. Maybe you go really hardcore like an Ariel Adam and a Caterham. Good Lord. And okay. they're paired together. That's for one of my boys. That's for the other of my boys. That, they're two different cars, front engine and rear engine. Interesting. Okay. My thought here, James, Unfortunately, it's too early Mm. because these two cars are the ones that will become their first cars. I see where you are. That's a long way from now. It's a long, it's too long. Start with maybe one car that Mm -hmm. all three of you cackle. All four of you take your MOF and all four of you are cackling happily, but then the back seats need to be addressed and then you're into maybe some front wheel drive. Well, you've got the RS3. You've got it already. And that's why I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think. Mm -hmm. I'm overthinking it. But the, the two cars that your boys end up selecting, son and son, <laughs> these will eventually become your first cars. We'll make memories with them together with mm, dad. We'll wow. each take separate drives in them and I'll teach you how to drive it. And then now these are you two, your two cars. And each of your boys will share that feeling you shared with your dad. Interesting. You you and I were struck by similar things in this email. We went we went there were some similarities, but a lot of different places. The two car thing is fascinating, Paul. I agree with you. It'd be better if the boys were like twelve and fourteen. It would be. It's where we're I mean, at. This is it's way, way I, out there. I, I love your thinking though. And and James, I I'm gonna I'm gonna add this here off of what Paul just said, and that is whatever car you get next, I want you to free yourself from it having to be 
anything more than what it is, and that is a new fun driving experience. And if it lasts a year, okay. If it lasts 10, great. Totally. Whatever car you're going to get next, don't bog it down with so much have to. Okay. Yeah. That, and this yeah. is this this email got me, man. So it may get me now, but I'm going to go through it right here. First off, your dad got this vet, this C6, super cool. And by the way, you're right, a C6 Z06. That's about as raucous as a modern vet has been. <laughs> so you're true. right. You yeah. step to the standard C7, and it doesn't feel like the C6, the Z06. That one's yeah. great. I yeah. I totally get it. I understand why you're there. But the problem with the C7. James, is not just that it was a step down in craziness, but it also represents, it's a step down and a bad memory with your dad. It's the car he owned when he died. Yeah. And also, I'm going to clarify this, because based on what you've told me, he said to keep it until he could have it back. He didn't say, keep it because I want you to have this always. There's a slight difference there, man. Okay, mm, and mm. you look at it, and it not only is a disappointment to you as a car because you had better memories with your dad in a different car, but it's also this car that you don't want, and you realize he's gone, mm. and you realize your best memories of a car are not that car. That's horrifying. Okay, yeah. you need to sell this vet. I I see the vet connection. I see that maybe maybe a C six Z O six is back in your life. Maybe maybe that's right. Because now, if you want to memorialize your dad with a car, it is the C6. It is. Because that's the yes. one where you saw all of his excitement, and that's the one where you guys had the memory, and that's the one that was iconic for you as well, James. It's not the one that you have now. So the one that you have now, the 2014 goes, maybe C6, but now I'm going to jump on something that is similar to something Paul said, and that is... You've owned a bunch of American cars that were good American cars, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The C6 has been this iconic thing. The VET has been this iconic thing. But what you need is to find your car that is for you the same experience your dad had when he got that first VET. You were 18. Mm. Mm. Your dad got this car. And the thing that I get from your email is this overwhelming sense of you watching your dad have an iconic life experience. That makes an impression not just on your dad, but on you. That C6 is so iconic because you watched your dad have a, I can't believe this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That has resonance that you are still feeling now that he's gone. This, this breaks me up, man. Honestly, this breaks me up yeah. because you need to give that to your boys. Yes. It's not, yes. you know what, boys? This is the car that grandpa loved. What's the car that does that to you, James? What's not on your list? that I don't think you've even written to us, that is the car that if you had it, you'd be like, I can't believe this. Because your boys, even at two and four, are going to see that. Yeah. I want you to yeah. find the car that is your, I'm standing in the dealership, that's not mine. That was what your dad got. Yeah, That's what he gave you. Find that car. I don't think it's a C6. I don't. So, Porsche, I don't know. I, I'm not saying because I think that's the answer. I'm saying you haven't listed anything that's not American. True. What about a Porsche? What about an Acura NSX? You haven't mentioned that either. Is that on the list? What about a Dodge Viper? Because that's not on the list, but it's a big American crazy car. What about a Ferrari? What about a Lotus Elise, Evora, or a Mira? What, yes. What yes. is that car, James? And, and the thing is, I don't think I can read this email and come across with the answer. I want to know what you're thinking right now, James. That you're like, could I? Could I have one of those? And maybe it's not right now. 
Maybe it's sell the vet because in 10 years you can get, your boys will be 14 and 12, by the way. That'll make an impression. (laughs) What is the car you could get down the line that you could be like, I can't believe I have this car? Because that's the thing your dad passed on. Mm -hmm. And I want you to pass it on again. Mm -hmm. That's the memory. James, I cannot thank you enough for sharing and allowing us to share to everybody listening on the podcast. Benedict, a a note of seriousness about budget. This is why I always blow past it because the cars that we buy are so connected to this emotion in us and it will bring up memories of your dad. And I want you to be able to smile and remember all that good stuff with your dad when you were trading off driving with him. I want you to remember that and look back and think I'm passing that on to my boys Mm. and whatever the vehicle it is, it almost doesn't matter what you buy. It doesn't matter how much you spend. It matters that you do it and you find the car that sparks what Todd is Mm. describing here. That's what we want for you. That's what we want for everyone listening. And that's why I blow past budgets because if it's 10 grand more and you can 20, 30 years from now, when you're looking back, will you care? Mm -hmm. No, you will not. All you will remember is the feeling that you got when you bought that car and you had the emotion And most importantly, you got to share that. That's what we want for you. That's what we want for all of you. James, thank you for writing. If you've got an email, emotional or not as emotional as James's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Just a few more questions over here on social media. Thank you guys for writing to us. Some ones we didn't get back to last time from Mystic Negro asking, are there any automotive trends that we would like to see more of? It's not necessarily manifested in cars themselves, but it's manifested in audience and enthusiast interest in racing and understanding how racing drives emotion. And that makes car companies want to build all of us enthusiasts cars that extract that emotion. And they're marketed to us based on that fun driving emotion. Because if we lose that, then all these fun cars go away and then we're we're just stuck with the ones that have been built up to this point in time. There cannot be that ending. There has to be more. Whatever drivetrain, whatever powertrain, I don't care, but extracting that driving emotion like we're talking about with James here, that's what I'm interested in seeing audience reaction. What Drive to Survive on Netflix has done for American interest in Formula One mm-hmm. has been great. Mm-hmm. That's astounding mm-hmm. to me. And Now, I think some enthusiasts are going, okay, maybe this season Formula One's a little bit predictable. (laughs) So what are... Oh, look, that guy won again. I'm sorry, I need more chips. Uh, What other other race series are out there that is kind of interesting that not only makes me want to watch it on TV, but I want to go to that race. I want to support it. I want to actually find other drivers and drivers as celebrities, but understanding what they go through and they're putting their lives on the line, but then how that drives what car manufacturers sell to us and what that does, like we identified in our Mercedes C300 video. Mm. It's on the test drive channel and this is merely a Mercedes C300. Sure, yeah. But Mercedes also tells us that the turbo technology was derived from their F1 program and they installed (laughs) it in a passenger car that you can buy for $58,000. And then you and I argued about the car and with the car. (laughs) Yeah, uh that all happened. Although the car forgave us. It did, which is one of the most (laughs) bizarre things I have ever experienced in an automobile where you said, I'm sorry, and the car said, you're forgiven. I was a little, I was a little freaked out, to be honest. That happened on camera. It was a little different, but I like that. 
On Instagram, Dan Gleason says, when I take the dogs with me in the car, where do they ride? Are they on the seats or do we use covers or whatever? Dan, it depends on the car. If it's Lotus Elise, they don't. There's, they're not getting in that car. It's just, it's just, there's no, there's really no way for a dog to figure that out. I have two Cayennes in case you haven't heard. It's ridiculous. I do have two. Uh, the one that normally transports the dogs is the older Cayenne. It has a really cool, perfectly cut for the seat Covercraft car cover on the back from our friends at Covercraft when they were backing us. That is what we do is we put them in the back of that car. And my older of the two dogs, Wasatch, who's about six, he is smart enough and has been around long enough that if I open the garage door, he runs to the back door of that Cayenne and stands there. Which Cayenne does he run to? The, the, back the, door? Old, the old one. The old yeah, one. The old okay. one. He knows that car okay. is the transport so. car. He, so they ride in the back seat of that car. They sit on the back seats. They enjoy it. I try to roll the windows down. We're not on uh, on highways. The truth is, I never really drive them very far. Thankfully, in Park City, we only go a few miles to find a nice trailhead. That's all we do. They love that. If they get in my wife's Cayenne, they go in the very back. Completely in the back, we have the rubberized mm-hmm. floor. But I put them in the back seat of the older Cayenne, and they love it. And I do laugh every time, even if we're not getting in the Cayenne, the old Cayenne. And I open the door, the front door. Wasatch runs to the back door of that Cayenne, like, "Can we go somewhere, please?" It's very funny. <laughs> Bullfrog Brown eighty eight asks, "We've driven a single car, for example, the Toyota Camry, with all of the engine and drivetrain options in a single video." It was the Camry, wasn't it? Uh, and they came here for the winter thing? Didn't we drive every... Sorry, keep going. That, that is the only way we can do it is at a press launch if they do have all yeah, the variants yeah. available. Sometimes press launches, car is too new or they don't have all mm-hmm. the variants. All they can talk about is the lowest engine in this trim yeah. configuration. You know, we don't have any of those. So the limited selection, most of the time they do actually, they bring all the variants that you can drive, but it's tough to get through it in a single day. But also really, you're just talking about levels of cost you're just talking about well mm-hmm. this trim level now we get a little bit more amenities and does the car drive differently necessarily now if it's a specific engine you know we went from the base engine to the hot rod engine that is interesting to me to see how mm-hmm. a car comes mm-hmm. alive yeah, but yeah, yeah. at that level we haven't really done that it's tough like i said to drive it at a press launch usually you just pick whatever's left they assign you a car and that's the version <laughs> you'll get in that's today the version the and then yeah. you know yeah, yeah extra B-roll and that kind of stuff might correspond. And we can talk about what other options and trim levels are available. But I think it would be interesting, but it's got to be the right car. Anthony Zerg's writing in and saying, okay, I have a problem. He does quite a bit of driving around for work, and he often is sitting in traffic listening to this podcast or just having to get somewhere for 90 minutes at a time. He has a first-gen, a GT86, as his fun way to commute and also to drive for fun. He loves it. But he's just heard that work might give him a company car. It would be an electric car, most likely a Polestar 2. He doesn't want it. He expects to be bored by it. But it is a free car. So he said, okay, if this happens, there'd be no point in keeping the 86 as it would just sit. How would he get satisfaction? He said he could get some satisfaction driving a manual because he has a runaround utility vehicle that he runs the kids around on on weekends. But what does he do? He hates to have the, the free car and get rid of the one that he loves. And he also says, is it possible for me, this is my favorite part, to sit in traffic in an EV and still listen to this show with his head held high? <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> first off, one of my favorite things is the fact that it's we have great. folks around the world who don't own a car who listen to this podcast. 
Yes, you may do. be a person who lives in Manhattan, and I'll be honest with you: in Manhattan, you don't need a car. Okay, <laughs> I, I want you to have a car. You don't need one. <laughs> Sell your car. Okay, you're just spending money trying to store it. Okay, so th- there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a car person that does not have a car, or to be a car person who doesn't have a car that's great, but you want to talk about cars that are great. We support all of that. Everybody is welcome here at the Church of Everyday Driver and Car Love. Okay, <laughs> so you're very welcome. So don't worry about that. I'm going to ask this question though. Are you sure you're not going to drive that 86 ever? It's not going to be a car you could drive on the weekends? Or maybe it's just that the 86 cost-wise doesn't make sense if it doesn't get driven much? So what about a cheaper fun car? Let's mm. say let's say mm-hmm. the 86, I'm just throwing out numbers. So say the 86 is worth 20. What's a fun, cheap sports car you could buy that's worth 10? So then you don't feel bad if it doesn't get driven or the fact that you're paying for it. Also, some of those running around on the weekends thing, can you do some of those in the fun car? I think all of these are options. I feel like you're looking at this with an all or all or nothing perspective, and I'm wondering about what is the cheap sports car you can keep. Is that the 86? Is it something else? But you know what, man? Whatever car you're in or not in, we'd love to have you at this podcast. Over on X, that Ted Theologan says, is there any objective measurement for the quality of a detail job, like reading the eye chart and the reflection off the hood? <laughs> <laughs> That actually could work. I like that. But yes, in my opinion, it is all about the logos on the cars. So you go look at the logos. Oh, sure. And if there's encrusted polish or wax still embedded in the logo and the attention to detail, that's why it's called a detail job. They haven't cleaned (laughs) that out to get the logo. It's real easy to take a rag over the top Mm -hmm. of the logo of the car that is standing off the surface, and that's where grime and dust and polish and wax and junk collects. So if they have detailed the car and the paint is shiny, but the logos everywhere, the little trim Mm -hmm. badges are full encrusted of stuff, they haven't done a good job. Sometimes it's even worse because you have actually fuzz off the rag hanging off the yes. logo in addition to that, which is even worse. That's where the detail comes That's in. That's very funny. Jorge is asking me a question, and it's my last question. He says, uh, he was noting our frustration having to reason with the inbox system and the C300 pieces we were just talking about. He says, is there a business case for manufacturers going back to beautiful tactile buttons or physical controls, or will screens and haptic feedback continue? Jorge, we've talked about this from multiple angles. The problem is... And Tesla has made us think it is luxurious. But the reality is putting a bunch of stuff in a screen is cheaper. It's so cheap. And it, and you can have all these really detailed embedded menus and you had one screen and it's just code. And so the cost is minimal by comparison. So here's what I actually think is going to happen, Jorge. You know how most of us don't read magazines anymore? Oh, I do. That's perfect because it relates to what I'm talking about. Most of us are just going to read that magazine online. But there are some people my co-host Paul among them, who just really like holding a magazine. I do, yes. And the thing you prefer, because I know this about you, is the really high-end ones printed on the really high-end paper. My point is, the cheap magazines are all gone. The ones that have survived are the ones that are like, this is a keepsake mag. This is true. I want to have this. Feel the quality of the paper and the photography and the way that they printed this. This is a thing. It's collectible. The cars that are going to have tactile, wonderful stuff to interact with are going to be the expensive cars because all the cheap stuff is going to get screen, 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 screen. That's where I think it's going. Wow. Thank you for all of your car debates, your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions. We love reading them. We love going through them. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.